Good morning. I think it's so funny every Sunday. I'm like, where is everybody? It's 10 o'clock. And then next time I look out, I'm like, oh, there we are. It's so great to have you guys. I love that we got an extra hour of sleep. You guys feel rested? No. We're always trying to catch up, right? So that hour doesn't do a whole lot. <laughs> awesome. Well, it's good to see you guys. Um, last week we had our Sabbath Sunday, which means anytime there's a month that has five Sundays in it, we take that last Sunday to do Sabbath Sunday and just rest. Is there anybody, I think we threw this out last week, is there anybody who wants to share what they did or how they rested or sought the Lord or spent that time in their Sabbath? Anybody? I know y'all love to come up and be on the microphone. Come on. Jammies. I heard jammies. Okay. Well, I will tell you what I did. I was in Florida. I know. I was in Florida with my sister, and um, I told her the night before, I'm like, tomorrow's Sabbath Sunday. I was flying home later, but I was like, I'm going to the beach. She literally can leave her front door, walk her little tushy to the beach, and in just less than a mile, her toes are in the water. I know. I keep get telling her to move home, and she doesn't, and now I know why. So I thought, I'm going to go to the beach by myself. So I snuck up before my nephew was awake, because he would have been very angry. He's five. And I went to the beach, and I sat on a little blanket and watched the sunrise and watched the people stroll around. I watched the birds for a long time, because I love birds. And I just sat in his presence. And I know that's not always available <laughs> um, on our Sabbath Sundays, but it was just such a good reminder to me to slow down, to breathe in his goodness, to think about all the things that we're grateful for, to just take a moment to pause. We are a very busy people, and I think we almost have to schedule rest, like put it in your planner, rest, sit down. Um, And even then, our phone's going off, and I had to turn off my phone, and I slid it away, and I just just spent a moment with him. So I want to encourage you, whether it's an official Sabbath Sunday, or it's this afternoon, or it's tonight or tomorrow, if you have to put it in your planner, put it in your planner. We have to make time to spend with God. He is worthy of our affection, and he wants to breathe new things into us. Amen? Amen. All right, so we are in the middle of a series. I think this is week six, maybe, um, titled Hearing from God. And we are using um, a Bible study called Experiencing God by Henry Blackaby and Claude King. Mark and I did this Bible study when we were first married, and we've referenced it ever since for 25 years Um, And so we're so excited that some of our content, the things that we feel like God is speaking here in this time in our local church is coming from this amazing study. Um, So hearing God, what an amazing thing to grow in. I think if you've been walking with God your whole life or you're brand new, I think all of us can be like, that's tricky. That can be really tricky. How do you hear from God? When do you hear from God? How do you know it's God? Um, Everybody hears a little bit different. And I'll talk to people and I'm like, oh, why doesn't God speak to me like that? That's so great. There's seasons I don't feel like he's speaking at all. And I'm like, did you leave me? Like, I know you didn't, but where did you go? There's nothing that I'm hearing from you. There's other times that I feel like he's speaking and moving so fast, I have to buckle up to keep up with him. And so there's these seasons and these patterns and these things that he's doing. But as his people, he's going to want to speak to us, right? That's what his word says. He speaks to his people. Um, We often told our kids growing up, when we would pray for them and we'd kind of like speak something to their life, they would be like, oh, they hated it. And especially teenagers, like, oh, I don't want to hear that. And we're like, well, here's the thing. We're your parents and we're praying for you all the time. So just so happens that God is sometimes going to speak to us about you. Sorry, right? But it's the same thing. God is going to speak to his people about his promises, his purpose, his plan. And so 
as I tell the preschoolers, you've got to turn on your ears, right? We've got to turn on the ears of our heart to hear what he is saying. Um, so let's pray, and then we're going to get started. Lord Jesus, I thank you for this moment, this day, this time. I thank you for the season. I know that each one of us are walking out different things. Some are difficult, some are easier, but life can be hard. But Lord, I just pray that our focus would be on you today, that we would remember the goodness, the faithfulness of God. Lord, that your word would come alive to us today and that you would stir something new and fresh. God, I have nothing fancy or wonderful to say, but I know through your word, man, it's just transforming. It's life-giving. And so that's what I ask for today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, so I have been really challenged by this Bible series. And part of me loves that, and part of me does not love that. You know what I'm saying? God starts stirring stuff up, and you're like, I really love a challenge, and I really love it when God starts stirring things up for me, and then I'm like, oh, that's painful. He's like probing me and poking me and doing all these things. So I'm excited to see what he's been doing in your life as well. What I've noticed as I'm reading through the Bible study and I'm reading through his word, I'm falling in love again. I'm falling in love with Jesus again because I'm reminded of who he is. I'm reminded of the scriptures. And Mark and I do this all the time. We'll be like, oh, man, I'm just falling in love with you again, babe. But there's something cute he does. Now he has like a gray beard. He didn't have that before. And I see old pictures and I'm like, oh, I love that. We're doing new things. We're empty nesters now. So we're having to find new things to do together. It doesn't revolve around our three children anymore. And so we're falling in love again as we find new things to do together. And that's the same with the Lord as we walk with him and we know him. We fall into a rut sometimes. And as we begin to read his word again, it stirs that up and we begin to go, oh, Jesus, guys, love you so much. You just begin to fall in love. And so that's what's been happening to me. So we're going to go through a couple points that we've learned so far, just to get everybody up to speed. If you've missed any of the series, please go. You can watch it on YouTube. You can watch on the podcast. You can find the link on our website as well. Um, the first one, we were created to be in a love relationship with God. I love this. We all know we're meant to be in a relationship with God, right? He made us. But it's not just a relationship. It's actually a love relationship. It's way bigger, way better. With that comes affection and intimacy, which can be hard. But it's so good. So, so good. The second one is God cares about the condition of our heart. He sees our heart and is not concerned with our outward appearance, much like we are but he's concerned about our heart. He knows the details of our lives, and he's deeply invested in those details. I love Proverbs 4.23. It says, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. It's interesting. So we're called to be in a love relationship with God, and the scripture, there's so many scriptures. You could preach on this for like a whole series. Guard your heart above all else, because it's like the, is it the rotor? When you turn the wheel and it determines where you're going, is that the right word? Rotor? Rudder? <laughs> Thank you. I'm like, it still doesn't sound right. <laughs> the rudder. It determines where you're going. It steers you, right? And even if you're looking over here, you're going to go wherever that's going. And so our heart is very important, and the condition of our heart is very important. It actually is determining where we're going, which sometimes I'll get in a funk, and I'm like, how did I end up over here? This is crazy. And I'm like, oh. I'm not tending to the things of God and dealing with stuff in here. And it so easily leads us astray. The next one we learned is it's not about the rules. It's about a relationship. Depending on your temperament, you might be like, oh, just tell me what to do. I'm a rule follower. That I can do. 
And some of you are like, screw the rules. I hate the rules. I'm going to break all the rules. That's my man. He, he doesn't like the rules. So he's like, yes, it's not about the rules. It's about a relationship, you guys. I love hearing little people and young people talk about God because they already understand this. Because they don't have all the rules and all the filters and all the things that they put on it that we put on it. Right? So they... They just were like, it's about Jesus. Be with Jesus. Spend time with him. You should hear our chapels and our God time. I'm like, yes, yes, yes. They just get it because it's about connection. The next one is the Holy Spirit plays a vital role in hearing from God. So we learned, Mark taught us, that the Holy Spirit guides. He convicts us of sin. He points us to Jesus. He comforts. He speaks. He helps. One of his names is actually the helper. Anyone need a helper? Holy Spirit, he is our helper. Um, In preschool, almost every class, we say, Holy Spirit, and the kids say, come on in, teach us and guide us. (laughs) And it just came out of me one day, and it became a thing, and now if I don't say it, they're like, Holy Spirit, come on in. We know the Holy Spirit's with us. We don't have to officially invite him in. But the idea is to remind ourselves that he teaches us and he guides us. That's what he does. Often when I say this, I think to myself, if I'm asking him to teach me and guide me, am I teachable? Do I want to be guided? Sometimes we say things and then he speaks and we're like, ah, that's not for me, right? Ah, I don't feel like doing that. That's hard. Um, but being, having our ears on and listening to whatever it is that he says, whatever it is that he guides us to, we have to remember that it's for his goodness, for good things and purpose, Right? Uh, Mark did a, series, or a, a Sunday on God-centered living, and he taught us about the difference between self-centered life and God-centered life. So we're not going to go through all these, but you can see the contrast. Self-centered, we're focused on self. We put all our confidence in ourself. We like to affirm ourself. We do it our own way. We see through our human perspective. When we're God-centered, it's all about him. We're humbled for him. We deny ourselves. We want his way and not our way. We could also learn this every day, right? We can be very selfish and very self-centered. Another thing we learned is that challenges in our lives can either be seen as an obstacle or an opportunity. Many, many times when we face hard things, we're like, ugh, it's an obstacle, and and it is. But how we see it and what the perspective that we have is crucial and critical in how we navigate it. Um, So we talked about um, Numbers 13. There's a story about Joshua and Caleb, and they were sent out to spy on the land to see what it was like. Everybody came back and was like, oh, my gosh, it's terrible. There's giants, and there's this, and there's that, and it's not good. And, And Joshua and Caleb came back and said, you know, God can do it. Their perspective was very different than everyone else's. So you might be facing a sickness. You might be facing a tragedy, you might be facing financial hardship, whatever it is you're facing, it's not that it's not real and it's not that it's not an obstacle or worse. But how we look at it and if we allow allow ourselves to see through God's filter and God's lens, then it's an opportunity for him to move and for him to speak and him to breathe life in the dark places. Amen? Amen. Um, Okay, so... Here's, here's the one that we're going to camp on for just a minute. Trusting God and having faith requires major adjustments in our lives. Yay! Anyone? Yay! 
a few weeks ago, Andy preached on this, and he talked a lot about faith. And faith we like. We're like, faith sounds exciting. Faith sounds spiritual. That's amazing. We talk about making adjustments, major adjustments, and we're like, no, not interested. I'm going to leave. You can talk about that without me. It isn't easy, it, but I will tell you, when God calls us to do something, when we hear his voice, it requires major adjustments. Can we say that? It requires major adjustments. And those major adjustments are not on God's part. It's not on God's part. We often think, oh, God, you've got to do all these things. You've got to change all these things. Get to work, man. Right? That's how we approach him. Like, what are you doing? Do you not see? And he's actually like, hey, I'm doing my part. I'm just waiting for you. There's an adjustment that has to be made. And we like our comfort. We like to do what we like to do, when we like to do it, how we like to do it, in the nicest of weather. And that's not really how it works, you guys. Nobody likes major adjustments. So actually, the title of my message today is Hearing from God, which is our series, Major Adjustments. Mark even asked me, he's like, that's your title? I'm like, yep. That's it. It's not fancy. It's not warm and fuzzy. It is what it is. And I don't like to bring hard messages. I'm a number seven on the Enneagram. I don't know if you know anything about that. I like to have fun and only fun. It's got to be fun. And talking about major adjustments, it's not fun. It's not fun at all. But it's how it goes. So how do we grow? Major adjustments. How do we learn? How do we, you know, mold into the things that God wants us to do? Major adjustments. We do this by hearing him and responding. We do this by having our heart in a good place with him. We do this by making adjustments as he speaks. Here's a gentle reminder, as we say in class, instead of just being like, hey, you need to go do this, we'll say, here's a gentle reminder. God doesn't make adjustments to us and our plans. We make adjustments to him and his plans. I think the more time I spend with God, I realize so many things I have backwards in my head, and I have to like undo those cultural things or undo those things that I get tricked into doing again. God doesn't make adjustments, and I think that's what we do. We do our plans. We're like, God, could you get on board here? I'm trying to like do this thing. And he's a loving God, and I'm not saying he doesn't sometimes do that. He cares about us, and he, he works with us, and he loves us. But most of the time, he's got a plan and a purpose, and he has invited us to actually be a part of his plan. And his ways are better than our ways, right? His plan is better than our plan. So this reminds me of um, the disciples when Jesus says, follow me, right? All through the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, you can see where Jesus talks to the disciples. So we're going to look at Matthew 4, 18 through 20. Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon and Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, follow me, I will make you fishers of men. A verse later, Jesus says the same thing to two other brothers, James and John, and they immediately leave their boat and their dad and follow him. The scriptures don't give us many details about how they feel. Have you noticed that about the scriptures? I'm like, I'm a feeler. I like to know, what were they thinking? What were they feeling? These are burly fishermen, so I don't know if they were in tune with that, but I imagine... Somewhere down the road, whether it be in that moment or a day later or two weeks later, like, wait, what? I used to fish. 
I used to get up and I used to smell the sea. I used to be with my guys on the boat and we, this is how we would do it. And this is how we'd go sell it at the market. And this was my life. And now it's totally different. I'm following Jesus, right? Totally different. They had to make major adjustments. The scripture makes it seem so easy, like, oh, they got up and followed Jesus. Well, okay, but like, actually think about that. They were probably raised by their dads who were raised by their dads to be fishermen. That's what they did. That's a major adjustment. But look at all the things. If you know the scriptures, look at all the things that God did through the disciples as they followed Jesus. We're still reading about it 2,000 years later. You guys, that's a major adjustment, but it, it... set the course for some amazing things that God wanted to do. So when Jesus said, follow me, he was basically saying, follow me and I will show you, right? He didn't give him a lot of instructions. He just said, follow me. But I think we often see this backwards. Here's how we see it. Show me and then I'll follow you. We might not be that prideful to be like, that's what I say, but that's pretty much what we do. All right, give me all the details. Give me the plan. Give me the map. And if I like it, if you do that and I like it, then, you know, I'll pray about it. Why do we think we get to do that? Not only is that not great, it's not a great behavior to God, but it's, it's not a loving relationship. He is our daddy. He is our Abba Father. He is the one who cares for us, designed us, created us, and gave us the very breath in our life. And we want him to give us his plans to see if we like it to see if it fits in our box and our schedule. So there's a story about Ananias in Acts 9. The Lord visited him in a dream and told him, Arise and go to the street called Straight. I think that's funny. But that's what he said. Arise and go to the street called Straight. Inquire about Saul of Tarsus, for he is one of mine. Anybody know this story? Saul was responsible for persecuting God's people and actually killing them. He was in charge of all of this. He hated Christians. And there was no doubt that Ananias was impacted by him on some level, um, by Saul's brutality and his persecution. And so Ananias tells the Lord, well, I heard that this man has done harm to the saints of God, and he's actually the chief priest's authority to bind all the people who call on the name of the Lord. You know, because God doesn't know these things. So he informs the Lord, like, do you know do you know who this Saul guy is? Like, this is what I hear, this is what he's doing. The Lord tells him to go. So Ananias goes. This took a major adjustment on Ananias' part. He could have been killed. Who wants to go talk to Saul? The killer of Christians, right? And he is a Christian. He loves God. And so he he risked his life and he was obedient to God. Thankfully, Ananias made this incredible adjustment and obeys God because after this, Saul, who becomes Paul, you ever heard of him? Paul has a dramatic conversion. You need to go back and read it in Acts 9. It is unbelievable. I think a lot of us have heard it, but I keep reading it, and I'm like, that's so amazing. So he goes and does what God tells him to do. Paul is converted and since then, he's considered, after Jesus in the Bible, he's considered the most famous Christian you could ever know or read about. He wrote all sorts of books in the Bible, all these amazing things that Paul did, all because Ananias had a dream from God and went to talk to a guy who could kill him. That's a major adjustment, you guys, right? 
So show me, and then I will follow you. Do you have this attitude towards the Lord? Maybe it's in business. Maybe it's in a marriage, in your marriage. Well, show me what to do, then I'll, I'll follow what you say. Maybe it's in relationships. Maybe it's in finances. Maybe it's he's calling you to something in ministry. Maybe he's calling you to minister to somebody. And you're like, well, give me all the details. Do you expect him to give you the details in the map? I think we, if we are honest, we all, we're all guilty of this on some level or in some way. So I'd actually like to take just a moment and pray because I think repentance is one of the most powerful gifts that we have from the Lord. And we often think it's like, I have to repent, and it's this, you better repent, and you have to repent. And it's actually we get to repent. We get to be convicted by the Holy Spirit about something, and then we get, we get to come to him. And so if you don't mind, if you would just bow your hearts and your heads before the Lord, I would like to pray. Father God, I thank you that you choose us to be a part of your plan. And I want to repent, Lord, for the ways that I have demanded your details, demanded your plans, how I have doubted you when you're speaking, how I have wanted you to come along with my ideas instead of going along with whatever it is that you have planned. God, I know and we know that you are actually a really, really good, good father and that you only have good things for us. And they may be challenging and they may require adjustments and they may be hard but they are better. Your ways are always better. So God, would you forgive us for these things? Would you forgive us for the ways that we've been stubborn? We choose you, God. Amen. As the Lord convicts you as you're going through the series, you're just going through life, if you're reading something in your book, um, by the way, we have, we just ordered another 10 books or something. If you want one, they're yours. You can Give us the $30 for it, and you can take it for free. You can pay us a dollar. It doesn't really matter. We just want you to have it. But as you're going through it, and as you're going through this series, and God begins to speak through his Holy Spirit, which we've learned, this is a great thing to do. There's so many things I'm like, oh, I just feel like I'm getting a spanking again. I'm like, ah, I thought I had gotten better at this. And it's okay. In that moment, can you just pause and do what we just did and repent and say, Lord, I'm sorry. There, there is error in my way. The great thing about God is he meets you right there and he forgives you and he shows you how to undo that behavior, undo that thing to live in a more godly way. Amen? So I'm going to share a personal example, um, personal example of how this kind of crisis of belief happened in my life and how I had to make a major adjustment. I was hesitant to even share this because I don't want this to be about me, but I think it's applicable, and I'm hoping that you'll see that God is just speaking to me and us like he does. So in 2020, I was seeking God. I was asking him, what was his will for me? What's this next new season? What would you like to do with me and in me, through me, for me, all the things? And I, I clearly heard the Lord say, how about we start that preschool that we've been dreaming about? Because we had talked about it for like 10 years, and it was kind of on our radar, but we were just kind of kind of waiting. And I was like, what? Okay, so I started. I was instantly excited, equally terrified, and equally excited. I love preschoolers, so that part was exciting. All the other things was terrifying. So I began to think about what my life would look like 
and the people that would be touched and the families that would come and just all the things started rattling around in my brain. Um, and here was my point of crisis, my crisis of belief. I'd have to go back to college. Anybody want to go back to college? Some people love that. I'd have to go back to college. How could I go to college and still work full-time? I'd have to switch jobs and take a significant pay cut. And I wasn't making a lot of money at the time. Where would we get money to pay for college? I'm not young. How long does this process take? How would we pay for the construction of the building to build out the classrooms and all the things that we needed? Who would help me run a school? Hmm. It's a fair question. What parents are going to sign their children up for a school and a program that doesn't exist yet? Basically a dream. And you guys, the first parents I met with, it was on um, Zoom. I didn't have a building. I didn't have teachers. I didn't have a curriculum. I didn't have money. I had nothing but what God has dropped in my heart. And I told them that. I'm like, your faith is kind of bigger than mine <laughs> because you're signing up a kid for something that doesn't exist yet. That's pretty powerful. Um, what if I can't do it? And that's pretty much where I got stuck is what if, I, what if I can't do it? So on and on and on, right? That was my crisis of belief. So it sounds a lot like Moses. We learned about him, I don't know, a couple weeks ago. And God was asking him to bring the Israelites out of Egypt um, into the land, and this is in the book of Exodus, and Moses asked these questions. Who am I that I should go? What if they don't believe me? What if I tell them and they don't obey me? I don't speak eloquently enough. And he was like, I haven't been trained in this. He had so many things that he was like, God, you picked the wrong guy. And I'm saying, God, are you sure you picked the wrong girl? Like, do you know how many things would have to happen? So here's the point. There is always a crisis of belief when God invites us to join him in his work. This is a big, big example, but it could be a small thing. He's inviting you to invite your neighbor over for dinner so you could just begin connection. It could be small. It could be big, right? But there's always a crisis of belief when God invites us to join him in his work. So Moses had to make major adjust, adjustments in his life. And then when God invited me to join him, I also had to make adjustments. So the first thing I did as a step of faith, I enrolled in three college classes, which to my surprise started two weeks later. <laughs> so in two weeks from that time, when I said yes to the Lord, I was working full time and taking three college classes and doing all the things. From there, our eldership team began to pray and seek the Lord. And some of you that knew what we were doing at the time began to pray as well. So because I like to check things off, do you guys like boxes and you like to check them off? Okay, so we're going to go through my list of things and I'm going to kind of tell you how this worked. So my crisis of belief, I'd have to go back to college. Yes, I did. I actually had to take 11 college classes. I really liked them. Surprise, I can't wait to take another one. How could I go to college and still work full-time? I kept my full-time job, did all my classes online in the wee hours of the night. I had a very full schedule, a gracious husband and a good God. Somehow it happened. I'd have to switch jobs and get a significant pay cut. Yep, that happened. I love my new job when working with kids at a center in Boulder. I don't know how our, our budget worked. I have no idea. I think some bills, no, I don't even think any bills were paid late. Maybe? No. We didn't lack for a meal, you guys. I don't, I don't know. On paper, it probably didn't work, but I don't know. If you know when we tithe and we're generous, 
the math, God's math is different. We did not lack for anything, and the numbers changed, but somehow God was faithful. Where would we get money to pay for college? This is actually a crazy story. So it happened in 2020, and because of COVID, all of a sudden they had these grants for people who were going to school. And so as I applied and I worked with the lady at the school, we filled out the FAFSA and did all the things, and we just got money. One semester, we got $23 refund. <laughs> and I was like, this is, this is not right. I'm like reading all the fine print. Sure enough, I called on it. They're like, you have a $23 credit. And I'm like, okay. I didn't pay for college, you guys. Up until the end, we had one last invoice, and the church was able to pick up that one and pay for it. So we didn't, we didn't pay for college, you guys. It was crazy. I'm not young. How long is this process going to take? It took two years. Not a big deal. Two years, you guys. Two years is like tomorrow, right? Um, how would we pay for construction on the building? We could write a book, literally, on all the things that God did, both to get us in this space and to build out um, the classrooms and get necessary materials. And a lot of your names would be on that, in that book. A lot of you tore down walls. The guys, I remember one day, Andy Euchre and... I think he's here. Um, Andy Euchre was like, we're doing it today. And he just shows up with a sledgehammer. And after church, they're like tearing walls down. I'm like, oh, my gosh, we're doing this. Ah!" I'm like, wait. It was one thing for me to go to college. That didn't really hurt anyone. But I'm like, crap, we're like tearing down walls. Okay, here we go. Uh, Who would help me teach and run this school? Last year, I was the only one on paid staff. Everyone else volunteered every week. We had teachers who volunteered every single week. Miss Laney was instrumental in helping me run the school, come up with the school, and do all the things. This year, we have myself and three paid teachers and volunteers. We have a full safety team consisting of pastors, parents, and church family who keep us safe every single time the doors are open. God connected me with a handful of amazing Christian directors and early education leaders to help guide us along the way. I was not alone, still not alone. What parents are going to sign up their children for a program that doesn't exist and is brand new? We started with nine families a year ago. We ended the school year with 18 families. This year we have 26 families. They are the cutest things you've ever seen in your life. I have Naya's parents sitting right here. She's pretty stinking cute. She's awesome. She's, they're one of our 26 families. So what if I can't do it? I can't. I can't. I can do my part, but God is doing it. This is his school. These are his people. This is his mission. This is his vision. This is his heart. I just get to be a part of it. And I'm not trying to be the whole, the Christian like, oh, humble is me, glory to God. <laughs> Sometimes I hate that. I'm like, just say thank you. Like, we get to be a part of it, but you guys, it is not me. I am, and that's why I was hesitant to share, but I, I want to tell you, that when God nudges your heart and he invites you to be a part of something, just know there's going to be adjustments. There's going to be adjustments. And don't be surprised by the adjustments. And you have to ponder them and go, okay, there's a, there's a price. There's a cost. But all these things worked out. So this morning, I was spending time with the Lord, and then I was just getting ready. And the Lord's like, you forgot something. I'm like, no, all my notes are there. I'm good. I was like, no, you actually forgot something really big. And I was like, oh, what? And he reminded me that in April of 2020, so I applied for school in August of 2020. So about three, four months before that, my dad got in a motorcycle accident. 
He had a traumatic brain injury, was in the hospital. He had multiple surgeries, including cutting open his skull and removing a part of his brain. It was a massive thing. And it was COVID, so we couldn't see him. He was in hospital after hospital. And the best we could do is a Zoom call or knocking on a window in hopes that we could get a glimpse of him. And the Lord reminded me that in the midst of all of this wonderful things and all my questions, the actual adjustment was that all of my emotions, all of the capacity that I had to think and be, was going to that, to my dad and my family. We were, spent hours on the phone. We spent hours in meetings. We spent hours in prayer. We spent hours at his house with his wife. And then God's like, start a preschool. And the Lord's like, how did you forget that? I'm like, I don't know. So that was actually the major adjustment, you guys. And when God speaks to us, we are actually sometimes in crisis. We were in massive crisis at the time. I was still mothering three children that were traumatized and hurting and, you know, desperate to see Papa Jay get healed. And the Lord's like, start this school. And so I'm just, I'm, I feel like the Lord reminded me of that because it's, it's often inconvenient. And it's often the worst timing. It's often the busiest season. God's like, take a meal to your neighbor. And you're like, ugh, I need a meal. <laughs> Do you know how busy I am? Or whatever. Or he's like, minister to this person. Or start this thing. Could you gather some ladies and do a study? Could you, whatever it is, right? He's inviting us to be a part of something. He's inviting us to be a part of something he's doing. That was not ideal timing, you guys. <laughs> but that's what God said. And I'm so thankful that we said yes. And I'm so thankful for whatever reason he thought it was best. I probably would be like, no. Not best, but for whatever reason, he thought it was best. So my favorite statement in experiencing God in the Bible study so far is this. When you believe nothing significant can happen through you, you have said more about your belief in God than you have declared about yourself. You guys, I'm not special. Moses, Paul, ordinary people who God chose and invited them to come along. And they all had the opportunity to say, nope, no thanks. They all said yes. I said yes. You've said yes. And we've said no. But when we say yes, there's going to be major adjustments. But I love, I love the statement because it reminds me that it's actually God that does the work. We do our part, but it's actually God that's doing all the things. Just imagine for a moment, what could, we, what could we accomplish if we said yes to God and overcame those obstacles, overcame those major adjustments? Okay, so you have to switch jobs. Okay, so you have to move to another city. Okay, your kids have to go to a different school because God's telling you to homeschool. Okay, you're going to be broke or broker. <laughs> okay, you have to befriend that person that you can't stand at work because he said that that person needs to hear about Jesus. I mean, it really could be anything at all, right? But God is always moving, and what an honor it is that he invites us to be a part of what he's doing. So if you guys wouldn't mind standing, I'm just going to pray over us.
Here's the beautiful part about this. He is a loving God. And before the foundation of the world, he chose you, he knew you, he had thoughts about you, he loved you. And on your best day, he loves you. On your worst day, he loves you. Every day in between, he loves you. And here's this God, and he's like, come on, let's do it. How about we start that preschool? How about we do this together? How about you join me in what I have planned? That's the amazing part. It's actually not about the preschool. It's actually not about that. It's about partnering with God. Little old us, little old me, partnering with big old God. So Lord Jesus, we come to you right now, and God, we we recognize that we are flawed, and we recognize that we always have excuses and things where we just feel like we're putting you in a box because it's too hard, it's too big, it's too strange, it requires too much. But God, you are actually our reward. When we say yes to you, we get the fullness of what you have planned for us in every season. And God, I just thank you that there's a destiny and a plan and a purpose, that we don't have to figure it all out and we don't have to have all the plans and the map and the details, that we can just simply come and follow you because we trust you. God, I thank you that as we go through this study and as we journey with you, God, that you would expand our heart to know you more, that we would snuggle up close to you and we would get to know your voice, that we would read your scriptures and we would just apply them to our lives. We would take them as truth. And it doesn't matter what culture would say. It doesn't matter what things we've done in the past, that we would say, yes, Lord. And I know that you will just meet us because that's what you do. You met me through the process and you're still meeting me and you're still working And it is to you all the glory, but thank you, God, that we get to be a part. We treasure our relationship with you. We treasure that you choose us. And God, I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, Real quick, I have something I want to encourage. What is your son's name again? So I've had you on my heart the whole morning, and I just want to tell you that There's something in your heart that God is stirring and putting in your heart. And you're thinking, no, it's too big. It's too big. It's too big. Too big. And the Lord said it's not too big. It's actually something that he's doing. So, Lord, I just pray over this young man. God, I thank you that whatever it is that you're doing, whether he knows what it is or it's something that he will know, God, I thank you that, of course, it's big because you are a big God. And, God, I pray that you would give him all that he needs to be brave and to have courage and to follow you no matter what the cost. Lord, I thank you that there is greatness for him. And the enemy has actually lied and said, you don't, you're not really worth anything and you don't really matter. But God, I thank you that it's the opposite of that, that you have great, great things and his life is of great worth and he is of great promise because he is yours. So God, I thank you that as he walks He will hear your voice. He will know your ways. I thank you that it's not anything he has to do or accomplish, that he can just listen to you and follow you, and you will do it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, that's it, guys. We're going to do a blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you.
The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Amen. Have a good week, you guys.